0: This program is not intended to diagnose, cure, or treat any disease or disorder. The listener is encouraged to seek sound medical advice from their doctor or other qualified healthcare practitioner before taking any supplements or starting a new health regimen. And welcome to The Nutrition Heretic. I'm Jim Ducharme. I'm here with Adrian Hugh. Hello, Adrian hey there Jim how you th- how are you this week I'm fine it's it's warmed up a little bit here we we hit a uh, low this week of uh, I think it was about minus 18 Celsius. So what are you at? Like minus twelve now? I I, <laughs> I I see what you did there. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, no, we're at about minus five, I think. So we're 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 warming up yeah. quite a bit. Uh, we haven't had the uh, there's there's nothing Torontonians like to complain more than summer, you know, than bad summers and awful winters. But we haven't had a really awful winter yet. Just a couple of days of really cold it, temperatures.
1: It, it sounds really awful to me.
0: Yeah, well, I know. Anything below 60 degrees Fahrenheit probably sounds really awful to you.
1: Oh my gosh, I had to get up on Saturday for... Uh It's the Makahiki Festival, uh, which is basically the the festivals uh, when the ancient Hawaiians would stop fighting and then they would test their skills against one another. And I had to be out on a field at 6.30 in the morning and it was 52 degrees. I wanted to die. And people were there barefoot. I don't know how they do it.
0: Must be a lot of Canadian blood in those Hawaiians. (laughs) Well, yeah. crazier things have happened yeah, that 's right, so look we got an interesting show coming up and and I know that you wanted to touch on a couple of things because our previous show where we where we touched on your book, French and your food. Got some. Uh, you got some feedback on that through uh, Facebook and some other channels, and people were asking some questions. So, uh, I think that was the first thing you wanted to, to hit on today, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I think when I, so much of this information is in my head, and I don't realize sometimes that I don't relay uh, the points as detailed as I could. So, uh, I just wanted to run down those. So, uh, the first point that we talked about is that a lot of people look at beans and nuts as protein uh, in the French view, let's say, uh, they are not protein. And technically, in the scientific view, they're not protein either. While they do have high amounts of amino acids, they don't have the complete array that we need to make amino acids. And those, you know, what a lot of people got sidetracked, or I got sidetracked, and a lot of people didn't pick up on was that we were talking a lot about beef and grass fed beef, but protein is really any animal food. So, you know, we're a fish, chicken, duck, uh, goose, what what have you? Any kind of crustaceans, dairy products are are protein, eggs are protein, and yes, red meat is also protein or pork, etc. So um, don't think that you have to eat red meat. Uh, red meat does have its place for certain. Uh, disorders or, or conditions, I should say, uh, just like poultry or fish might have its, their own indications for other things if you're using them therapeutically. But uh, don't feel that you have to eat a red meat to eat meat or to get your protein. It can be other animal sources.
0: But but <laughs> you're saying that protein, the, the only uh, alternative for protein is is other animal meat? Because that'll have the vegans just going crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because, uh, back in the day when, uh, people started to, the, the the concept of beans being a replacement for animal foods started, uh, with a book called Diet for a Small Planet. And as, as far as we know, that's, that seems to be where all the, uh, all the, arrows point to that book and people just ran with it like wildfire and what they didn't realize is that in a lot of these cultures where people are consuming for example let's say India they do eat yes a lot of legumes and pulses uh, and they're basically vegetarian but they consume it with high amounts of animal fat they consume it with yogurt and uh, a lot of people miss that connection so uh, personally I believe that when People are essentially forced to eat a lot of, of pulses because of economic reasons, for example. Uh, they will consume it, whether it's with a dairy product, some kind of a bone broth, uh, bugs, um, really any anything that has derived from another animal. Uh, and like you said, yes, it drives the vegans crazy, and I've been blasted and called names and called an idiot because I don't believe in that. But I've just... I've seen it fail more times than I've seen it succeed. So, and I it, stand by my guns.
0: And admittedly, this is a, you know, this is from a long view. It's kind of anecdotal almost, but it, in countries like India and other countries with similar diets, they don't seem to have the same obesity issues that we have in North America and, and elsewhere.
1: Right. But those 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 are quickly changing as they become a hip to the foods of commerce. So, for example, in India, I have a friend back in New Jersey. He has been making uh, ghee, which is clarified butter, uh, which is traditionally used in Ayurvedic and Indian cooking. He has been making that uh, his family's been making it for since the the late 1800s basically so he's I forget how many generations in of making this and he's uh, you've you've probably seen it if you've been in a health food store um, uh, pure Indian Foods I think is his company and he was um, saying that now in India people are getting obese but they're also replacing their ghee with vegetable oils
0: ah Okay.
1: And so, you know, because the the modern science is telling us that, that animal products are bad and that we should be staying off of dairy and it's causing congestion, da, 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 da. and actually when what people don't, again, realize is that, first of all, there's so many things different about the modern milk compared to traditional milk. I actually belong to a group of Indian farmers who are teaching me all about what Indians traditionally do with milk and milk products. And one big difference is that they are raising traditional breeds of animals, uh, which produce what is called uh, the A2 strain of milk uh, versus the hybridized ones like the Holstein, which is bred literally just for quantity and not for quality, and that's called A1 milk. It's a totally different molecule. And that's the one people react to.
0: Oh, that's, that's interesting.
1: So a lot of people who are getting sick on milk they switch to A2 milk, which is the Desi cow, uh, the traditional Indian breed cow, or uh, something like um, Guernsey or a Jersey cow, and suddenly all of those supposed lactose intolerance issues disappear.
0: Oh, yeah. And you, know, you can see a massive difference between the cows in places like India and even Cuba. When I was in Cuba several years ago and I saw the cows that were there, I thought, there's a lot of things you can probably do with these, but getting meat from them wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and and the Holsteins here have their udders dragging on the ground. Uh, yeah. Uh, which is, it's, it's quite disturbing. They have all kinds of goiters and cancers and things like that. And doesn't that just make you want to pour it on your cereal. So the the answer is always somewhere in the middle. And as opposed to jumping ship and complaining that all dairy is bad, I think we need to, uh, it would behoove us to look at milk in a more holistic manner and say, Hey, why don't we just get the animals back to the way that they're supposed to eat? Why don't we just to feed them the foods that they naturally want to eat instead of bashing the, the, the food itself that has helped human society develop, over tens of thousands of years,
0: I think I think it does behoove us to treat cows better. Right. We, we totally glossed over that great pun that you just made, so I had to throw that in yeah, well. there again. <laughs> so, so, yeah, okay. I,
1: I, they, they're so automatic with me, I don't even <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't even notice it sometimes.
0: I, I just <laughs> think, yeah, I think be, behooved is just such a underappreciated word. In any case, <laughs> uh, so look, oh. you mentioned that you had an interesting pet peeve to wait, kick wait, off with see, it
1: right? I, I, I wanted to I, we touched on the on the protein thing oh, okay. and there was another thing that i talked about last week which was we talked about eating mayonnaise over mustard mm. uh, and uh i mentioned that canola oil was bad and that soybean oil is also an industrial oil which really does not give our bodies what we want if we were trying to go for our bodies being healthier Uh, and what, uh, I would recommend first of all is unfortunately to make your own mayonnaise and it's not that difficult. Now it's easier than ever to find, uh, the right ingredients. You really just need an egg, uh, an oil. And the oils that I recommend would be a light French olive oil. If you use anything like a Spanish or Italian olive oil, they tend to be very heavy and you're not going to like the taste. So a light French olive oil, which has a very mild flavor, uh, a good quality macadamia nut oil, which is increasingly easy to find, as well as avocado oil, which I'm a little bit on the fence of, but it's it's a newer product uh, that's come to market. And I guess time will tell. But if you're not eating it every day, it does appear that the processing of avocado oil is less industrial. So far, so so far as we know, uh, than most of the others, C- canola and soybean, they're they're a, they're a molecule away from being plastic. You really don't want those in your diet uh, as much as possible. Uh, but these other oils, they are more mechanically pressed, and they are for really just for for drizzling on salads or using in something like a mayonnaise.
0: But I so that's mean, my- about. We, but this whole thing about being a molecule away from plastic, and I don't want to go off on a big tangent here, but right. it, it, you know, a molecule's difference is a big difference, right? When you break it right. right down. I mean, you know, the butter industry for years has been using that line about margarine, and, and the and the truth of the matter is, is that a molecule's difference is is a much bigger difference than they're trying to imply.
1: Yes, this is true, but it's uh, it still stands to reason that it does not break down like a, a natural oil would. And if you look at, for example, people with acne, c- chronic acne, the first thing I do is I tell them, get rid of the vegetable oils. <laughs> and really what it is is that the body is trying to use these oils the way it would use a regular fat, which is to push it to the skin, to lubricate the joints, to use all of these things, uh, to you know create uh, basically just fluidity in the body, let the cells uh, become very uh, supple. Uh, but instead... It can't express itself that way because they don't break down. They don't go through the normal digestive path that you would get with a true animal fat or one of these mechanically pressed uh, fats or oils. Okay. So what happens is you get a coagulation of these things and they push up to the surface of the skin as pus. Vive exactly and that's and that's what makes zits. for most people i have found the first thing i have to do is take those out and suddenly their skin is clear you know a couple of weeks later they get that stuff out of their system and their skin is clear
0: i'm kind so, of nostalgic you know, we're, so for. we're
1: talking about things that just aren't changing shape and i think of plastic as something else that also doesn't really change its shape
0: i don't know about anybody else but i kind of have a nostalgia for popping zits you know what i mean <laughs>
1: I do know what you mean, Jim. There was a
0: certain satisfaction in popping one of those big zits.
1: Yeah, Uh, well.
0: Those days are gone, though.
1: Those days are gone. The days
0: days of my oily youth.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, okay, so you, you wanted to talk about my pet peeve this week. Okay, my pet peeve is that people are so heavily focused on weight loss that We're not looking at anything else. We're not concerned about any other state of the human body as long as we lose the weight. And to underscore this fact, uh, this week an article, uh, several articles, and news uh, uh, casts were talking about these poop pills that are being. Yes, they are made of human—I I don't know if it's human excrement. I, honestly, I haven't even gone that far into my research. All I had to do was poop pills, and I was like, are you serious? Are we now going to subject obese people—and I mean, it is targeted, apparently, to the obese community—to uh, uh, um, eat shit and what?
0: lose— weight." Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying that when you say poop—see, you say poop pills to me, and I think X lax
1: you know? No, 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 no. I'm talking number two. <laughs> uh,
0: you're you're saying to me that these pills are made of poop?
1: Number two.
0: You're oh, me.
1: <laughs> oh, you don't. You have no idea how much I'm you. <laughs> that's
0: that's a load of literally.
1: Oh yes, it is, and that and this is this is what we're we're looking we're staring oh, staring down the barrel at the
0: I would say that they're coming at this problem from the wrong end
1: yeah well, i can I can <laughs> tell you what end that is <laughs>
0: so. that's that's just. Okay. You know, I mean, it was one thing when they were talking about, you know, uh, very expensive coffee beans that were being collected from the poop of certain arboreal creatures in in wherever that is. Yes. Mm. That was kooky enough. But, I I mean, you know, and and this is – it's another one of these miracle pills. You know, I keep hearing – I don't know if you remember this song, Five Man Electrical Band, I'm a Stranger Here. It, w- it was a big hit in the, um, in the in the early, I think it was the late, early 70s. And, uh, you know, it talks about, we got this pill that does this. We got this pill that does this. We got this pill that does this. And, you know, we're always looking for that magic bullet, just like you were just saying. And we don't look at the holistic. Uh, you know, I, right. mean, I mean, just because somebody's overweight by a certain amount doesn't mean they're unhealthy. Correct? Right. Not
1: necessarily. Not necessarily. And I... I- Honestly, I'm not saying that this is good, and I'm not endorsing this by any stretch of the imagination. But I have a friend; he's about seven or eight hundred pounds, and the doctors are, are baffled that he doesn't have high cholesterol <laughs> and like all the other problems that they that that would be associated with overweight. Now, that's not saying that you should try and risk that, but um, it's there. There's such a we're, we're we're so stuck in this calories in, calories out. Mentality that it's just stretching way too far, and you know I, I was going to talk about something today, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid it because I want to get our guest on mm-hmm. uh, before it gets too late. Uh, but we'll, uh, uh next time let's talk about school lunches yeah. uh, because that's another place, and you know we're looking at kids with with lowered immunity. And actually, I want to give one tip. Let me just give one quick tip on lowered immunity, getting sick in the winter. Uh, you know, a lot of people get really focused on something called the al- acid alkaline balance of the body. And, uh, they talk about being mostly alkaline. Personally, I have found people a little bit healthier when they're slightly al- um, acid. And one of the, one of the, the tricks that I've learned over the years is to take a piping hot bath in two cups of apple cider vinegar take that at night. It warms your body up. It chases the colds away. And uh, for anyone who is suffering right now, I suggest that you try it. It's an easy, inexpensive therapy that you can do for yourself. And it, it makes me feel like a million bucks. I've recommended it to people for not only for illness, but for joint pain. It works like gangbusters, and you, the the key is to stay in the water as long as possible till it cools, because that will pull any uh, infections, viruses, whatever out, uh, even even things that might be stored in your body. Uh, I don't know that it will pull heavy metals. We might it would be uh, probably with something else like baking soda to pull out heavy metals, uh, but uh, for colds and like I said, for joint pain. The cider vinegar in a piping hot bath is as hot as you can stand it. You know, don't kill yourself, but as hot as you can stand it. Uh, and it it just it works phenomenally. So that's that's my tip for anyone who's out there suffering right now with any kind of cold, flu, virus, what have you.
0: Well, and as you said in your book, uh, also, you know, French in your food, also make sure you get that seven hours of sleep.
1: Yes, of course, and minimum seven hours. Uh, some people, you know, some people definitely need eight, but we're so ready to sacrifice our sleep for exercise. And I think it should be the other way around. I think we need to prioritize our sleep because that's when our body is regenerating and building itself and processing whatever has happened during the day from the mental to the physical, to the digestive, all of that stuff is going on during, during sleep. So make sure you get at least seven, some people even say seven and a half hours of sleep per night, but uh, you know, you'll, you'll know when you've had too much sleep. Uh, But definitely trying to stay awake on coffee is not cutting it.
0: And uh, just before we bring Gina on, let's mention that we're still—you're still looking for a virtual assistant.
1: Oh yes, and and you put that up on the website, right? It's on uh, nutritionheretic.com careers yep. forward slash careers
0: okay. slash careers. So just go there, and you can uh, you can apply there. And Adrian is a wonderful person to work for and with. Ah, um, uh, thanks. Yeah she's, yeah, she's just slightly insane, but other than yeah, that, she's well. wonderful.
1: Well, yeah, one day maybe we'll go over uh some of the some of the crackpots who have applied in the past. <laughs> and and things not, like you know, how you will know not to apply because um if basically if you turn into one of my anecdotes, you should not apply. <laughs> if you have behaviors that make me want to <laughs> to out you, uh that I would say no, don't apply. But uh no, I I'm pretty easygoing and that might be my my short uh shortcoming is that i am a little too easygoing sometimes so you know get ready i'm going to be cracking the whip that, <laughs> that goes for you too jim
0: <laughs> yeah well wonderful uh speaking of uh, cracking the whip uh we have uh, a guest today and, and this is really interesting you have uh, we have gina peak with us today and she actually read your book using um and and it was lo- she lost the weight unintentionally using the information from french in your food
1: Yes, she did, and I—I um, I actually didn't even get the full story. We—we we haven't talked in a year. She she bought the book uh, last year at Christmas, and she actually turned around. It's because it's a quick read. She read it, you know, in an hour or whatever one morning at a friend's house, and then she turned around and bought like another ten copies or something, and she she gave them out as Christmas gifts, and uh, she was using it as a maintenance diet, from what she told me, uh, and next thing you know, she loses. She loses more weight over what she had lost doing something else. So, uh, Gina, if you're ready, we'd
2: love to have you on. Hi. Hi. I'm here. (laughs)
0: Nice to have you. Sorry,
2: I'm in Los Angeles, so occasionally I'll hear the helicopters above. I apologize for that. That's okay. We're we're all good. Um, Yeah, so, Gina, I was so impressed because uh,
1: we have a friend in common. Mm-hmm. and she's the one who you saw of uh, Your Food sitting on her kitchen counter or wherever it was in her house, mm-hmm. and you read it, and then you were like, light bulb. <laughs> <that>? what, what <laughs> Absolutely, the, light what bulb. Was the, what was the, the, uh, the, the light bulb moment for you when you were reading the book? What, when you looked at it, was it? You know,
2: so many totally light bulb of- moments, really. I mean, from the title, I, you know, I'm a huge Francophile, so I have lots of French friends and lots of French skinny girlfriends whom I've watched eat as much as me, if not more, and remain thin. And so the title of your book drew me right away because I I just thought, wow, is she really going to unlock these mysteries because my own little skinny French girlfriends have not. So that was sort of the first light bulb. And then all throughout the book, several light bulbs. You know, you talk about the health food stores and and, uh, the foods that, were buying there, yet loads of overweight people coming in and out of the health food stores. And that really spoke to me and resonated with me. Um, The animal fats, you know, and and making sure you have those in your diets, those, you know, it, it definitely was not just a light bulb, but it was also permission for me not to feel guilty about that because right. I, I definitely do think that's important in our diets, and it's just important about where we source those items a- absolutely. from. Absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely. And that's why when I wrote the book, I didn't write it necessarily as a weight loss book, but mm-hmm. like you say, to unlock those extra mysteries, because I don't know if you've read uh, any of the other books that are written about French diet and French women don't get fat and all that kind of stuff, but the books that I have read in that vein uh, seemed to glaze over or, or not notice some of the points that I brought up in Frenching Your Food, which is why I felt that it needed to be written. Mm-hmm. Uh, a- and in particular, because when I was collecting, you know, just storing that information in the back of my head was before I any of those other books were written, and it was they were just these quirky tips that women were just sharing with me over the kitchen counter. or at the desk at work. And I thought that this could be helpful for someone else. Uh, So my understanding now is that when you adopted the French diet, or you started Frenching your food, uh, you were doing this as maintenance, because you had already lost weight. Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Sure, that's that's correct. I have pretty much my whole adult life carried about what I considered to be thirty extra pounds around. Okay, and was fairly comfortable in. The, I was very comfortable in that body actually. I have a yoga practice. I hike regularly, um, but you know the waistline was not attractive. The weight had sort of shifted over the years as I got older. It was it was more in my waist and belly, and so mm-hmm. becoming increasingly less comfortable. Um, so a couple of years ago, I just finally made a decision, okay, I'm gonna, I really want to get at least 20 of these pounds off. I thought I'd keep an extra 10 to sort of stave off the wrinkles. Right, <laughs> <laughs> because I always people always tell me well, wow, you man. have no wrinkles for 47 and I'm like yes it's the 30 extra pounds that's what it is <laughs> that so I was a little that homemade Botox <laughs> exactly I was a little nervous about the outcome of that but so I did you know like I said two years ago really make a conscious decision to to get some of that weight off so um i done a couple of vegan detoxes, which are temporary and meant to be temporary, but it really gave shifted me in the way I was eating, and I kind of went to an 80-20, I call it, like 80% fruits and vegetables and 20% high-protein you know high protein dairy. Um, and that was working, but it took a long, long time. And then, as I said, when I sort of got, I wasn't quite at the weight I would have liked to have been when I read your book. I had a few more pounds to go. Okay. Um, but I really find your book, implementing your book, is, is a wonderful way for... It's been a very easy way for me to maintain. And like I said to you, once I hit my optimum weight, I shifted to your book, and then I dropped another 15 pounds.
1: <laughs> right.
2: And how, so, how long did it take for those extra 15 to come off? You won't believe it. it ha- From March to June. Wow. Three weeks. And that's why people really paid attention, and people started asking me about it. Because the first... You know, the first 25 pounds took me two years to lose. Wow. So people did notice it a little bit here and there, but it was those last 15 that I dropped and dropped so suddenly that, and, and even I, honestly, Adrian, I couldn't explain it because, because at that point I wasn't considering myself in weight loss mode. Right. I was considering myself in maintaining mode and just continuing to lose. So I had friends telling me, you're not eating enough calories, you're not this, you're not that. So I even put one of those apps on my phone, the Fat Secret app just out of curiosity, to put in everything I was eating. And I was eating plenty of calories. Yeah. It was just what I was choosing to eat and when I was choosing to eat it that I think really made the difference.
1: Right. So, so uh, let's say Jim
0: <laughs> wants to start yeah.
1: Frenching his food, okay? Let's just say. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Does that include hollandaise sauce? Because I, hollandaise sauce is something – I'm at the point in my life where the only time I have hollandaise sauce is when I go to Vegas,
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> I would say yes. What, what
2: do what do you say, Gina? Are you are you still eating the hollandaise sauces? I have to tell you, I what I love best about this is there is not a single thing I have eliminated. Wow, not a single thing. So if I want it, I will eat it. It's just how much of it I'll eat and when I'll eat it. Right. So I would say sure. If you're in your favorite Vegas restaurant and they've got. Uh, Eggs Benedict on the menu you know is good. Have it and enjoy it. We have when, one here in L.A., Sycamore Kitchen. They have the best Eggs Benedict I've ever had, and I'll eat it and enjoy it. Maybe no more than once every couple of months.
0: Now, Gina, do you, do you mean that the, when, you, when you started following the steps in the book, the information in the book of mm-hmm. uh, French in your food, Did you, you're saying that you didn't go out and buy a whole bunch of new food for the fridge and the cupboards and stuff? You just ate what Not you already had?
2: Not at all. Yeah, no, I mean, we we shop at the farmer's markets, we, you know, and some of the health food stores or Whole Foods, so we have a very high quality food in our pantry anyway, but no, not at all. Um, you know, in fact, if anything, one of the things I had sort of gotten rid of out of my diet was butter, despite the fact how much I love, love, love it. So I put that back in after reading Adrian's book, and by the way, still lost 15 pounds. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, it's, um, no, I did not change the way I ate. In fact, if anything, it changed the way I felt about how I was eating. And I know that sounds probably a little esoteric or crazy, but but honestly, I mean, not vilifying my food anymore, not looking at the butter as it's, I'm putting it on my plate and feeling tremendous guilt about it, and, and I, actually I, feeling like it's a good component on my plate and giving me some benefit.
1: Right. Exactly. And uh, the the mental, emotional connection to our food is so overlooked in society. And uh, as I say repeatedly throughout the book, this is the this is our biggest problem in America, because we will turn on the news tonight and find out that. Beef is gonna give you a heart attack, and you you know need to eat five pounds of kale a day <laughs>
0: and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and you
1: and stay away from butter because it's not as good as we thought, and you know we're still not sure about eggs, even though they say it's good for you. there's still you know this thing hanging out, and then right behind that, there'll be a commercial for weight Watchers, and there will be ads for some kind of gummy vitamin. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll hear just all of the benefits of these low fat, uh, easy to prepare, microwavable,
2: mm. somethingables. <laughs> and, I do not I, have a microwave in my house, I will yeah. say that. <laughs>
1: yeah, good for you. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's, um, you know, we're, we're just, we, we just don't seem to get it that, Everything that we 're being taught is is funneling us towards these these promised land foods that, in the end don't live up to uh, uh to their promises right
0: but you know this again this just comes back to this this difference in in how Europeans and you know in this case especially the French view food as as part of their lifestyle, not as um, a utility um you know, I know that we're talking here about how people y- use food as a, a support mechanism and everything. So it may sound counterintuitive what I'm saying, but uh, I-, I don't know. Most, you know, most of my life, I've I've kind of viewed dinner as as, as something that sort of just needs to happen, or lunch hmm. or anything like that. I've never had it as a. Uh, it's never been part of my life necessarily as a lifestyle um, component um at least in, i i don't feel that way maybe i'm just not you know in touch with my f- inner foodie uh but <laughs> I- you know for me it's 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 like okay go out get lunch as long as it tastes good i'm you know we're done um so you know and I, and i think part of that comes from my father who was legendary for eating dinner in like you know 3.2 minutes oh. i mean he oh yeah he was unbelievable he would he would go through a you know a steak in less than five minutes
1: oh geez yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that uh that the chinese uh i don't know if they officially refer to it as this but i've seen in many chinese uh, uh dietetics texts they talk about how in the west we tend to eat just to feed the stomach and and the chinese view you're you you should be eating for all of your organs <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and and that's that's where the variety comes from because many foods do uniquely feed the stomach but we don't think of the other things that depend on that and uh so many of the uh diet fads uh, and when i say fads i'm including all the culty stuff the vegan the paleo whatever they look at uh, food as as really still just a way to fill the stomach and feels that satiety not on a deeper level mm. and I think this is important that we need to start recognizing all the, the fact that the body actually needs to digest this food so when we talk about being full uh it, you know we're still talking about well how. Uh, it, or sorry, we're still ignoring the fact is maybe a better way to say that that the body needs to digest this and needs to incorporate it and needs to feel good afterwards. So if you're feeling sleepy after a meal, sure it could be the gluten, but you know what? It could also be that you didn't chew properly. It could be that you were not focused on your meal and didn't basically masticate enough to. To assimilate those nutrients into your body, now it's just sitting there like a rock. So uh, it's it's becoming ever more apparent to me that we need to um, that you know we we need to just start waking up. To what's in front of us, and so for for someone like you, Jim, who says that you just eat because it just it's just going to taste good, really slow down. Challenge yourself to take twenty minutes, no matter what it is that you're eating. I don't care if it's McDonald's. Put it on a nice looking plate, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, or sorry, not McDonald's, Tim Horton. Sorry, you're in no, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> So you know, put that that donut or whatever, put it on a on a nice plate. Take twenty minutes to eat it and see how you feel afterwards. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that part of this has come from. It, there's a lot more value to the family meal than just catching up on what the kids did at school today. Oh yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. and I I think as we moved away from that family meal and television became a part of our meal times and we started sitting in front of the TV on the couch eating our dinner, um, you know, in classic sort of Simpson-esque style. Uh, that. Changed our relationship with food. I think technology sure. has, has really changed our, our relationship with food and what food means. And, and the, you know, there's so many other cultures out there, like the Chinese and the French and the Italians. To them, food is a ceremony. Dinner is oh, a, a ritual.
2: Yeah. And actually, you know, we start with the very young. I see, I've, I've seen my friends put their young children in the high chair in front of the TV because oh, yeah. that's how they can get them to eat. Yep. So I think you're going to see a generation coming up that's known nothing but that, right? Right. And and
1: and the sad part there is like it. It wouldn't be too bad if they were actually feeding them food, but a lot of times we've <laughs> um, we you know we're we're at that stage. I know Gina, you have kids that are around the same ages as my kids, mm-hmm. and uh, and you too, Jim. Uh, but um, uh, they're giving them Cheerios, you know, because somehow. Yeah, they, and, and what's funny about Cheerios is the the argument as well. It helps with hand eye coordination. I'm like, and you don't get that with a spoon. <laughs> like, <Right>. <laughs> really? A <laughs> spoon doesn't help. But, uh, but
0: I admit that my child likes Fruit Loops. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, she likes them, and but I always try to serve uh, when she's having Fruit Loops for breakfast. I always try to serve some uh, some half decent bread with it too, toasted. Uh, you know, a uh, uh, brown bread.
1: So try try giving her an egg.
0: That yeah, that's been a bit of a challenge with her so far and so and so has white meat. She really doesn't like white meat for some reason.
1: Does she like dark meat?
0: Dark chicken meat, yes, and fish, no problem. But the She only has good
2: that- taste.
1: Well, then give her <laughs> those. Give her give her the ones that she will eat. Yeah, um, the, the only way that what? we mm-hmm. I was just going to say, since my my eldest was a a baby, my husband and I would tell people, anybody having a child, we're like, look, if you want your child to eat, if you don't want to deal with feeding struggles, do not introduce anything in a loop, fruit loop, cheerio shape. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even get them on that train, because it's just a lifetime of struggles, and I have seen it more times than I have not.
0: It's the only. It's really the only one that that you know. The only sin she has, or you know, my sin more than hers. Um, sure. Although I I I do have to confess that when it was Halloween, I I let her eat Count Chocula because they they <laughs> yeah. put it up on the shelves as a special. So
2: you know, and again, once a year, like what's the problem with right. that? Right. You know, a yes. box or two a year. It's if it becomes a mainstay in your diet as like an acceptable form of breakfast. Exactly. That's when you have to ask yourself, "Uh oh, hit it in the yeah. right way."
0: Yeah, no. There's you know certainly during the week because uh, you know I only have about half an hour to get her fed and and ready to go. Uh, so sometimes convenience creeps into that equation, but uh, luckily she does like some whole cereals that are uh, you know granola nuts. You know,
1: Does she like oatmeal?
0: She she used to, and then she stopped liking oatmeal. She won't eat it anymore. We use I used to feed her oatmeal all the time, and I was happy to do so.
1: Okay, because um, one thing that I do for uh, uh, rushed mornings—and sorry, we're getting a little bit away from Gina's talk. <laughs> oh, sorry, That's okay. For for, That's okay. for rushed mornings, uh, what I do is the night before I at dinner. I take some oats, I toast them lightly in the pan. It doesn't, you don't have to toast them, but I like to toast them just for that extra like, nutty flavor that it releases. And then I put it in a crock pot with a little dollop of yogurt and plenty of water. Mm-hmm. And just before I go to bed, I turn that sucker on, on low, and I let it go all night. And in the morning, we have a pot of ready-made oatmeal. Neat. Stir in some butter, cream, honey, maple syrup, cinnamon, apples, whatever you like, and breakfast
0: is done. Well, we're we're just about out of time here, but you know, Gina, is there is there anything that like that you'd like to, to add that we haven't talked about yet? Any kind of insight that you've gained from uh, you know from following uh, the tips in uh, Adrian's book?
1: That Actually, what I. On? What I'd like oh. to ask you, Gina, is um, mm-hmm. what kind, what could you recommend? Like, what was, what were the, the maybe top two things that you did differently, especially because you're, you were already a foodie, you were already someone who had good food in the house, but for yes. some reason, you know, it wasn't coming together weight wise. What What were the two top things that you think made the difference once you started Frenching your food?
2: I think, you know, as much as I prided myself on not eating things out of a package, Mm -hmm. after reading your book, I really then, I I just 100% went for it in that direction. So you really tuned in. Yeah. If I had to, if I was reading ingredients on a label, it meant I probably shouldn't be eating that. Right. And so our stuff doesn't come in packages. You know, our stuff is, it's whole foods. And a lot of that, you know, again, I mean, I feel like we did that primarily, but then we just went, after reading your book, as a family, we just went to the nth degree with that. And like, right. we hardly have any packaged foods. I mean, we right. have the occasional can of garbanzo beans or can of tuna or something like that. But for the most part, the 90% of our food doesn't have a label on it. Right. So, I'm not even going to the health food store anymore and thinking, okay, I'm going to get this processed, packaged right. stuff with 70 ingredients on them I can't read out loud. Um, right. So that was a shift. And then, again, it was it's the mentality. It's the not... Because I do love food, and I have been a foodie. So oftentimes, we'll be sitting at a meal and talking about a meal we previously enjoyed or a meal we're going to be enjoying mm-hmm. at some point. Because it is... Both my husband and I, and hopefully our children are getting this too. I mean, we, we do. We love food, and we love the whole we're pre- preparing it, going out for it. I mean, all of it. We just big, big foodies. But you really gave me permission to stop vilifying it because nice. I ate whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and was very lucky to only be carrying 30 extra pounds. Yeah, for sure. Doing it, well, which turned out to be 40, but in my mind it was 30, but... Um, you know, I, I feel like I was very lucky to have lived that way my whole life, but still I was I had guilt. I yeah. definitely had guilt. It's not like I would eat those things and not think, Oh, I wish I'd eat better. Right. And now I don't have any guilt about anything I'm eating, even when I'm enjoying a piece of chocolate, even when I'm enjoying a little scoop of ice cream or any of it. I right. do it, I enjoy it. And, you know, I know the next day I probably will have salad, you know.
1: Right. And you, you said something uh, fantastic to me yesterday when we were, you know, just checking on sound levels and things for the show today. Uh, mm-hmm. And you said something about uh, how you uh, stopped eating past 7 p.m. Correct. And, yes. uh, and I, what I really loved is that what, what do you say when you see something at 8 o'clock at night and you're like, <laughs> I really want that?
2: <laughs> I say to myself, Tomorrow. I will eat that tomorrow. Exactly. And it completely works because I I'm giving myself permission to just wait a few hours to eat it. Yeah. And half the time I will, but most of the time I don't. Right. <laughs> I forget by then. Cravings t- <laughs> t-
0: Tomorrow tomorrow. They're right. always a pizza away.
2: Exactly. Yes, exactly. One of my favorite songs. Eight o'clock. And, and actually, you you said one
1: other thing that I really liked when we were chatting. Um, t- tell us a little bit about the French girl who came to stay with you.
2: Oh, Camille. Yes, uh, we, we had my friend's uh, niece with us for about six weeks. She was doing an internship with me for my company, and also was kind of nannying the kids while she was here. Okay. So she lived with us, ate with us, and we were in the process of a move and it was also in the summer. So we had a couple of scheduled trips that she went on with us. So we were doing a fair amount of eating out, um, but it wasn't an astounding amount more than I would say we normally did. And by about the third week, she turned to me and said, wow, you guys eat out a lot. And I found myself feeling a little defensive, of course, and like thinking, well, really? And immediately I'm like, well, we're moving and it's summer. And But it really, and then she said to me, you know, in my house, we eat out on our birthdays, her birthday, her mother's birthday and her brother's birthday. And that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Three times a year they go out to eat. So, and I thought, I really made me do an honest reflection of how often we eat out. And I think I told you yesterday, Adrian, by my account, it was like five times a week. Between lunch and dinner, right? When you when you really
1: sat down and looked at it, it's like, whoa, no,
2: wow, we really do eat out a lot. Way too much, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and since I moved to Hawaii, I find myself eating out a lot more than we used to uh, living in New Jersey, mainly because there was nowhere to eat out in New Jersey. Uh, but <laughs> but um, you yeah, know, we're we're much more mobile though uh, because most of your your lifestyle is outside. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes, unfortunately, even when we eat, you know, like a potluck at someone else's house, it is kind of like eating out because not everybody does cook. Food that comes from the farmers' market, and so you know, right. so, uh, you know th- there's a lot of that which I think a lot of people overlook. They say, "Oh, well, I only eat at home." Well, what do you do? Well, I open up a can of this, and then I put a can of that, and then I put some frozen this, and it's like, "Well, that is eating out to me." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Might
2: you- as well be eating out. <laughs> yeah, right. They're, they're
1: really assembling <laughs> things at the last. Yeah. Yes. Uh So Damn. there's there's uh, there's a lack of consciousness now uh, about how often we actually do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So unless you have anything
2: else you'd like to add, uh, Gina, I think uh, we're about to wrap this show up. I hope everyone reads your book. You said I had bought another 10 copies, which you're right about. But then after getting home and after losing those additional 15 pounds, I think I've bought another 20 or 25 copies of your book. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to just hand to people because everybody wants to know. Hey, did you go out and get that poop pill everybody talked about? Or did you? How did you do it? How did you do it? And you know, yes, people just assume that I'm either on Weight Watchers or not eating, or you know. And it's it's great to say no. I just had a shift in consciousness, and you can have it too. So here's this book, and I don't know anybody who hasn't thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it and loved it. I don't know how many people have actually started implementing it, but um, buy read the book. Read, read, read the book. Do yourself a favor. It's,
1: yeah. Uh, it and Gina like it's, too, look, it's too simple to actually work I think for a lot of people They're like It's just Right that's it. they're, like, they're
2: expecting some gimmick <laughs> <laughs> right. right No trick to it Gina <laughs> by all it. means
0: Let let, you, sorry, let your friends know Who you sent the books to About the podcast Hopefully they'll get something okay. out of it And um, you know uh, Suggest to them that they That they review it You know uh, Leave us a review We have a Facebook page Facebook.com Forward slash Nutrition Heretic And um, And, of course, our website is nutritionheretic.com where you can find all the shows. And if you have any show ideas or you want to be a guest or you have questions about the show, you can, of course, just drop by nutritionheretic.com and contact us or uh, message us through Facebook. You can contact us that way. And please don't forget to, if you're listening to this podcast right now, after you're done, please rate and or review the podcast. We would appreciate that.
1: Yes, we would. Thank you so much, Jim. And thank you Gina for being on the show. I really I'm oh, so excited for you and my pleasure. Uh, your my pleasure. your journey is uh, is incredible.
2: Oh, thanks. And your other books are great too. The oh, thanks. And, the, <laughs> and the chicken book, I'll keep hey,
1: it. Hey, who doesn't like to eat a little <laughs> cock every once in a while? You know, that's what
0: I always say. <laughs> and if you want to be on this show, just buy 25 of one of her books. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in yeah, like
2: it's an automatic spot right it's an
0: automatic guest spot you buy 25 of those books and we'll have you on this show I don't care if you're playing mouth harp for 20 minutes you're going to be a guest <laughs> That's great. Gina thank you so thank much so... Adrian always a pleasure Adrian
1: always a pleasure here too Jim and I'll see you next week